0: wants to be a rock and roll star, but what does it mean to be a career musician? Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Saban, president of the independent record label, Kill Rock Stars. On this month's episode of Music Industry 101, we're talking about something I think all musicians should understand, the actual job of being in a working band. The job changes throughout what's called an album cycle. People tend to stay home while writing an album or disappear into seclusion. Then when the album is released, they go on the road for varying lengths of time. It's a tough job, and it's not for everyone. Today, we're going to talk to working musicians Rafael Cohen of Chick Chick Chick, Taraka Larson of Prince Rama, and Zach Carruthers of Portugal the Man about their daily lives on the road and off. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Can I have a taste of your ice cream? You're listening to The Future of What? We're talking to Raphael Cohen of Chick Chick Chick. Raphael, welcome to The Future of What?
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So today's episode is an episode where we are, we, we're calling the series Music Industry 101, and mm-hmm. it's sort of designed for people who are starting out in bands or sort of trying to understand the business part of it. And so what I always find frustrating is when I get approached by people who don't seem to understand what the job of being in a band actually is, yet they're convinced that they want it. They're like, oh, I really want to play in a band. And then you say, well, have you ever been on tour? Have you ever slept on floors? Have you ever done all this terrible stuff that, you yeah, know, yeah. kills your soul? And they're like, no, but I definitely want to do that. So, you know, I and I'm not going to say, hey, let's, let's talk about the stuff that kills your soul. But I Let's would... Let's talk about I mean, <laughs> it.
1: Let's do it. Let's go straight in.
0: You've been in a couple of long-running bands. Yes. El Guapo before mm-hmm. Chick 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 and Chick 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 for how how many years?
1: About six years, five or six years.
0: Five or six years. So tell us, tell us what it is. Tell us the work of being in a band.
1: The work of being in a band. Well, these days... Well, ever since I've been doing it, it's been touring, what you're saying, and the kind of various... You know, uh, it changes a little bit in terms of the comfort of the vehicle you're traveling in <laughs> or maybe the place where you're sleeping at night or something uh-huh. like that. But it does take a little bit of that. That That's these days, I think that's what it takes. And then also, obviously, the other part of it is, is the recording, writing kind of part of it, which is when you're home. So it's kind of balancing a very kind of solitary and enclosed and private thing, which is writing music and recording it in these like the studio we're in now, which is this very <laughs> dimly lit, kind of antiseptic area, and then it's going out and performing this music in front of hopefully, you know, zero to <laughs> ten million people, right. and uh, and the the various kind of ups and downs of of doing that. So uh, it's it's a it's a very it's two very different jobs wrapped into one, and it's 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 a job I think that ends up weeding a lot of people out because of the rigors of what it does to your personal life. And as you get older, the rigors, physical rigors of, of kind of doing it, you know?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I know that there are bands where they have, they have people that load in their gear and set things up and sound check for them and then load it out at the end of the night but I was never in one of those bands. No. I always carried my drums, every piece of my drums by myself. Sure,
1: yeah, we, we yeah, I've never been in that situation. I do, though I do know people that do do that and it seems a little weird to me. Yeah. It seems like someone, <laughs> you know, like it, it always feels like someone clothing you or someone yeah. you know doing something that's very personal right. in your <laughs> in your behalf. But I'm sure I would get used to it. Stand so.
0: still while I put these pants on you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then, you know, because it's, it's, let me put these pants on you, and then you'll kind of like adjust them to fit how you Right, wear. But right. it's still kind of like, wait, just take <laughs> two steps back.
0: So you load your own gear.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yep. We load our own gear. I, I guess that the main difference, I've traveled in vans and in buses, mm-hmm. Chick 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 is in a... Really, I tell people we're in a really interesting position because we're we're what you would call it, in the middle class of bands. In a uh-huh. way. You know, like we're we're about you know exactly what I'm, you would think that would mean. And and like with ev- like with all of the rest of society, the middle class is getting, getting destroyed, destroyed and either pushed. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. bands are either making a a lot of money very quickly and and touring in very kind of luxurious ways, mm-hmm. or they're touring in very kind of DIY punk ways, which you really have to. Have a calling for it to to do because it, it can be can be difficult, you know.
0: Right. So you guys are sort of the middle class, or what I would call like a working
1: yeah, artist. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like sometimes we're in a van when there's enough money. Sometimes we're in a bus when there's enough money. Sometimes mm-hmm. we get our own hotel rooms. Sometimes we share Ooh. hotel rooms. Sometimes you know, it's like it's very much. But but you know you know Chick 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 comes from a community that I, same community that I came up in, and I think that you came up in, mm-hmm. which is we've all done many kind of we we've, we've started out doing very DIY tours, tours where money was not expected, right? (laughs) you know, and tours where you were either cramming all nine of you into one hotel room or mostly staying on people's floors and stuff. So there's some perspective about how far things have gone. I think sometimes people who kind of get in on the top floor, it's harder to go back, you know what I mean? Oh, for
0: sure. Yeah. If you start in a bus, I don't know how you go back from there. Yeah, exactly. That would be hard to do.
1: But yeah, so so it's it's nice to be in in a band with people from a very specific community that that understand kind of how much harder it can be. Right. So there's less complaining, you know. Yeah,
0: that's true. You're like, hey, we got we made more. We can eat somewhere other than Taco Bell. Exactly. You that's know? very exciting. Yeah, yeah. You can come
1: home with money, so that's that's always good. Yeah.
0: So talk to us about the rigors on your personal life because you need to have someone. I mean, if you're married or if you're dating somebody, you have to. Have, be with somebody who's willing to sort of put up with like, well, I'm going to be gone for X number of weeks or months or whatever, and then I'll be back. Mm -hmm. And then when I am back, I'll be laying around the house.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just got back from being away for a month. When you asked me to be on the show, I was in Europe. We were Mm -hmm. in Europe for a month. And you know, the personal life stuff It's a particular issue for me because me and my wife have a daughter, three-year-old. Mm-hmm. So it's particularly challenging in the sense of, you know, my wife is a single parent when I'm gone. And then when I'm here, then I kind of take over. I'm, I'm lucky in the sense that my wife, Molly, was an out and toured for a long time and understands what touring really is. I think sometimes it's hard in relationships when people don't know. People think it's, kind of like this nonstop fun <laughs> den of iniquity or something. Right. And she has a real grasp of what touring means and and kind of the work that it involves. So I feel very fortunate in that in that way. Yeah. But yeah, it's a strain because it's not it's it's hard, I think, because you share a life with somebody and when you leave, they're left to kind of have that life. And then so there's the initial transition for them of the person that does the other half of the home making is gone. And then there's the additional transition of then coming back and developing your own space in your own house, right. and then having an intruder come in and be like, "Hey, why is this, why is this <laughs> dish over here now?" or something. Right, and, and right. then that's so it's it's always tricky, and it's definitely it's def it can definitely be trying, you mm-hmm. know, for sure, especially when you put a kid into the mix, but
0: definitely. But you know, you're you guys are like many of of the sort of middle class of bands. You know, people are having families and mortgages and kids and lives and still making it work yeah. as a as working musician. Yeah, and, trying. and Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's important. I mean, I'm, I sort of started the show partially to try to get people to understand that there's a lot of people out there whose job it is To be a working musician. And there's a lot of people whose job it is to help people become working musicians because, like you said, it's shrinking middle class, but it's still kind of the goal as far as I'm concerned. You know, you don't want to be someone who puts out one record and disappears. You know, most people, when they think, I want this as a job, they're not thinking that. They're not saying, Well, I'm going to make one record and then I'm going to just go work at, (laughs) you know, Toys R Us for the first time. Of course. Yeah. No,
1: no. You're trying to have a career or you're trying to. I mean, I, I had a lot of, it's funny when my wife was pregnant, I had a lot of experience. I, it's like the parenting, the musicians with kids all kind of came out of the woodwork with advice. And I think you don't realize how many are out there until you're kind of looking around being like, how the hell am I going to do this? Right. And then people just come at you like, oh, you want to know how? And I, me- I got a lot of helpful advice, like make sure there's like an abundance of childcare beyond what you think you need. Oh, wow. You know, like yeah. in terms of like, babysitter like people right. that can that can help you know take the edge off that stuff you know i, I got a lot of good advice. you know we were making a record with jim eno who plays in spoon who mm-hmm. has a daughter and who's a you know a working workaholicking musician <laughs> and then town engineer and i remember just asking him all sorts of questions like from how did I how did you install this car seat in your car to like you know and he was very helpful with the advice because i i thought i was gonna have to stop touring i thought you know And he was the one that said, you know, if it's a job that you like, you know, you'll be a better parent if you're doing a job that you like. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me, you know. Yeah. That's a lot to put on a kid that you have to quit a job to yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. And that's, so let's talk about how you like this job. Like, what is it that you like about it? Because I think that's what I really want people to understand, that there there are downsides to this job. Yeah. But, and it's and it's a specific personality type that actually likes it. I'm the yeah. same as you. I would get in a van tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I love touring. I didn't care whose floor I was sleeping on. Yeah. It, there's something about touring that I just love. Yeah. I love the newness of every day, the excitement of there's always a different crowd every night. You know? Yeah. To me, that was really fun.
1: I love I love writing music and I love being part of a community of people that do it. And it's just, it's what I've wanted to do since I was literally 10 years old. You know what I mean? I, I grew up in D.C. around a very specific kind of, my my rock heroes were very accessible to me as <laughs> being in D.C. And I, was, I very clearly was like, that's what I want to do. You know, like, and, and it wasn't like I was watching Led Zeppelin. It was like I was watching Fugazi and I would see them walking down the street and I'd be like, that could, you know, I want to, I want to do what those guys do. Right. You know? And I think to this day, uh, to me, it's very exciting to both to write and record music, which is maybe the thing I like the most. And then also to then kind of like support it. There's nothing like seeing, uh, you know, we played a show in uh, Manila and I saw someone singing along to a song and knowing a song. And I remembered writing it, you know, putting it together at my kitchen table or something. Uh And it was very meaningful for me to see that, 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 you you had made some sort of connection with somebody who you otherwise would never have come into contact with at all you know yeah. and to, to 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 know that you're making something that resonates with people in some way and that somehow pays forward the way music has resonated with you is is very meaningful a very meaningful and deep thing to me
0: Absolutely. I think you're right. And I think that is, I mean, I remember when my band would go on tour and we, one time we were playing Emos in Austin Mm -hmm. and these little girls came in, I think it was an all ages show because they were like 14 and they gave us this picture that they had drawn of us and they told us they wanted us to sign their cassette of ours. Nice. And so we did and they were like singing along to all the songs and I just thought, oh my God, these three 14 year old girls... Now have this to say, like, look, I could do that. That's you great. Know? And they were like, "We're in a band called Cat Box." Oh, nice. <laughs> I was like, "That's awesome. That's the greatest band name I've ever heard <laughs> in my life." <laughs> yeah, totally. You
1: know? Yeah, yeah. So that that's that. You know, and and you've been that fourteen-year-old right. girl, presumably. Exactly. And, and so, this idea that you're part of a continuum of inspiring people, being inspired, to me, it's it's a uh, it's everything. You know, it's it's awesome. You know, getting involved in music was such an important demarcation point in my life as in when i was a kid yeah that it's it's still it's still something that really speaks to me as a calling or something you know
0: absolutely so tell us some of the downsides so that we can be practical for for people listening
1: the way music is now it's hard to know how the money stuff is going to work you know what i mean like it's not and I think the way music's always been, you know, it's like I'm I'm 39, I'll be 40 this year, and you never know the shelf life of bands like you're saying. Obviously a band like Chick Chick Chicks had a pretty remarkable ability to stick around, you know, but you never know when the shelf life is going to run out and you don't always feel like you have much control over that in a mm-hmm. way, you know, because you kind of feel like you're constantly pe- people it's somebody was making fun of me this weekend because they were asking me how I was doing. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, blah, 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 And they're like, you know, you've been saying that for since I've known you for 10 years. You've been saying <laughs> the exact same thing every time you see me. So I'm like, I think I'm going to have to figure something out. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure something <laughs> out, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you know, I could play you tape recordings of you saying that every time I see you every six months <laughs> or whatever. So there's, you know, there's a certain apprehension of just financially and stability-wise that you right. kind of give up. I think the other downside is, you know, in a way you end up, but besides what we talked about earlier about your, the family stuff and and the strain that that's, that puts on it, you 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 kind of end up you you feel like you don't have a lot of control over your own career in a sense, mm. and I find that's to be that can be difficult for me as somebody that wants to kind of know. Mm-hmm. I want to have a plan. Or I want to know where I'm going to be. Right. And you don't always do. Yeah. Some people would say that's a plus side of it too. <laughs> right. But, but on this side of it, it's it can be a little bit there's, a, there's a, always a low level of anxiety of what's coming down the bend. right you know what i mean
0: that's true do you ever think well we could always just tour more if record sales really tank you know we could tour more or i mean are you just kind of like i don't know how this is gonna go we'll we'll it's have to hard. take it
1: well you know i mean I, i'm sure you know this as somebody that's in in this world it's it's like touring more doesn't always work you know what i mean right. like it's that's like true. it's so everyone's touring more it's so glutted it's hard to it's almost like it's funny because six months after you put out a record people will be like okay go make another it's like it's almost like you just have to turn everything around faster right rather than rather than like I'd almost be willing to tour more but it's like the way you can tour behind records is so different now right, it's like right. there's certain ones that'll kind of catch and you can work for for years and most of them it's like people cycle through them very quickly in a way Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Have,
0: yeah, because it's like short attention span theater around here. You know, people are like, oh, that was nice. Now what's next?
1: Exactly. So it's like, it's almost like I'd be willing to tour more. It's just I don't even, it's, I don't even know if that's always the the answer. You know right. what I mean?
0: That may not get you what you need. That's, yeah. That's totally true. And it's so funny to think because there's both sides of that, right? There's, you can tour more or you have one hit song and then you spend the rest of your life playing that one song. Yeah. So it's like, What's happening? You know, it's so was, hard yeah. to know.
1: I was thinking about that on the way here. I heard someone singing uh Rick Astley, never gonna give you up on the subway. Right. And that somebody is... we had just somebody weird that did sound for us in uh in, in the UK was talking about doing sound for Rick Astley and said, Yeah, Rick Astley still plays for twenty thousand people yeah. in Chile. From,
0: from like a nineteen eighty eight single.
1: Yeah. Right. That's and, crazy. And, uh, and it's I mean, it's a great... Yeah, I I think it's a great song. You know, I was, yeah. I was super psyched to hear it. But it was, it, it it was just I, I did kind of make me think of him and be like, you know, everyone all those 18,000 people were waiting for that one. they just waiting for that one song, exactly. <laughs> What must that be like? So.
0: Yeah. I guess there's a lot of way to a lot of ways to do this business, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. So crazy.
0: well Raphael Cohen, thank you so much for coming on The Future of
1: What. Thank you for having me. Remember when I called you on the telephone? We were so far away. It was raining in New York, did I forget to say? It was later than I wanted it to be, on an early summer's night. The kind when you can't help but feel alive and free. And I told just. you, from here on out, it's just you and me. should we
0: chick 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 if you're enjoying this program please subscribe to our show on itunes to find out what's coming up next follow us on twitter at krsfow you're listening to the future of what we're talking to taraka larson of prince rama taraka welcome to the future of what thank you what's up what's up future of what's up the future of what's <laughs> up exactly totally so, today's episode, we are talking about what it is like to be in a band as a real job.
2: Oh man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is kind of it's kind of a public service we're doing here. This radio show is largely directed towards people who are sort of starting out in bands or maybe people who have been in bands for a long time. And, you know, anyone who's just interested, which is cool, you know, we're trying to help people out. And, so one thing I think is really important for people to know about is is really what it's like the daily life of a, mm. of a band, you know, the job. What is the job of being in a band? And you guys are an awesome example because you have put out a lot of records, my friend, in your short
2: yes, <laughs> life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's very impressive.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know. We keep busy. Yeah. That's, that's part of having... I don't know. I, it's funny thinking about a band as, as a real job. It's one of those <laughs> things where like... You know, I, I appreciate you saying that because it's, it's the kind of thing where it's funny because I'm doing this interview from my aunt's house in, in Texas. And it's always funny explaining to family what you're doing. Oh, like, yeah. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on tour and, you know, this is what we do. And I don't think anyone really gets it that it's like a real job. No. You know? No.
0: That's my yeah. job, too, though. I run a record label and everyone's like, oh, that's nice. You have a recording studio. I'm like, no. Yeah,
2: nice for you. No. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. yeah.
0: No idea what I do. Yeah. It's fine.
2: That's right, fine. right. Totally. It doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. So your most recent album just came out actually last week, right? Yes. The 4th of March, which is awesome. And you guys are on tour to support it right now. Yeah. So talk to us about like what an album cycle basically looks like for a band. So you start out by you have to write the album.
2: Right, right. Yeah, you first start out by having, like, you know, several, like, existential life crises, you know, like, what am I doing with myself and my life, right. you know, and then I feel like those are very necessary for, like, because you do, I mean, I think that you should always have that sort of, I think each album kind of has to begin with a death of some sort, it's like some sort of, <laughs> like, death of your past self, you have to have that moment where you're questioning everything, because then you have to just tear it up and start again, you know, and, and every album, if it was just repeating the same thing, it would be boring, you know? Right. But I think that it, it's really necessary to kind of have that sort of period where you don't you don't really know what you're doing. And, and you know, maybe you're doing some traveling or, you know, whatever. You're just putting yourself in these these circumstances that are very uncomfortable or unfamiliar for you. I was just listening to this interview with David Bowie. It was so interesting. He just puts himself, he, he was just, it was like a 1977 interview, and he just moved out of L.A. And they're like, why did you choose L.A.? It's like, because I hate L.A. <laughs> and you're like, what? Like, why? well, do you like it anymore now that you live there? He's like, no, I, I test it even more, actually. But he wanted to put himself in that situation because, you know, he just wanted to see what kind of writing would come out of it if he was, like, in this place that he was very, like, alienated or uncomfortable. Cool. I thought that was kind of interesting. That is yeah, interesting, I mean, yeah. And I, I feel like, I don't know, I, I do that maybe not on, like, a, such a, a conscious level, but, like, unconsciously, I think that, you know, you're always looking for some sort of challenge to sort of push the level of, who you are because each album cycle should be like this new layer of the onion of like who you are really, you know? Totally. Yeah. So I don't know doing that. And then I think the writing process kind of, you can't ever force the writing process. That's another thing I've, I've really come to realize and appreciate. It's like, you know, you you schedule these things for yourself when you're first starting to write now and you're like, okay, this is the writing period, you know, from, from, you know, June to September, and then, you know, we're going to get in the studio for like three weeks, and then you know we're going to we're going to mix for a week, we're going to master, then we're just going to bang it out. And it's, the creative process just it, 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 it all that. It's like, oh, you have plans for me? No, I I, I can't I can't do that.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm on vacation that month. I can't help you. Yeah. All
2: right, right, totally. So I'm going to give you writer's block during that time. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. But, yeah, I think that, you know, first appreciating that album cycles always have, like, their own time. They're on their own time. Right. Which is difficult when a band is your real job, because you need to, you know, figure out creative ways to make money in the meantime. When you're not doing an album cycle, because, you know, in this day and age, touring is really, you know, your bread and butter. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's hard, it's difficult to make money off of album sales. I mean, I guess some people it's possible, but it's definitely, like, a changing paradigm, so... When you're not on the road, you have to, like, figure out other things to kind of sustain yourself. And, I don't know, me and my sister, we have, like, a a, a no-real-job policy. We, like, <laughs> do everything we can. So we're not, like, working, you know, barista in a coffee shop or something. I mean, all glories to that. But I think for us, we're just, like, we're trying to really just pick our brains to figure out how to make this work as, like, the real thing. So this past album cycle, it's been really helpful. We've been, like, really delving back into... I don't know, like our art Mm -hmm. paths and stuff. Like we both kind of went to art school and kind of put that on hold for the band for a while. But yeah, just exploring that some more and, and finding that's, that's one way to kind of like creatively support yourself and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that that also like helped in like the, the writing process for the music, you know, like exploring these ideas visually first and then kind of translating them sonically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been, that's been an interesting aspect of it and, yeah, then, I'm I'm just trying to speak from experience. Yeah, like, the recording process and the writing process kind of happened simultaneously for this album. Hmm. Like a very unconventional sort of setup. Because when we first started writing this record, the label that we were on before, Paw Tracks, kind of dissolved. Uh-huh. And so we were we were label-less when we were working on this, and we didn't really have, you know, much, like, money ourselves saved up that we could just be like, okay, well, we're just going to go in the studio.
0: Uh-huh.
2: So we are we're kind of, like, looking for you know any sort of any sort of charity case someone who'd be like interested in recording us <laughs> on spec you know like like uh-huh. begging in the streets. no we weren't like that but but then you know th- these producers approached us and uh they're mostly like dance and like kind of hip-hop producers but they're like you know really like what you're all doing actually they didn't say that they're like like i think what y'all are doing could be a lot better Ooh. But we, we see the potential in what you're doing. I'm like, all right, I'm up for that challenge. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was kind of, like, cool to be approached that way. I'm like, they're like, we want to make a record that doesn't sound like any of your other records. I'm like, great. I want to make a record that doesn't sound like any of my <laughs> other records. Let's do this. And so they were really generous and, like, recorded the whole thing totally on spec on their days off from recording, like, the XX or something, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it was really just sort of, it came about in a very, like, extremely spontaneous Extreme now fashion, where it was just like, you know, every week we knew we'd be recording like one day, a week or something. We never knew what that day would be. So, <laughs> You're just we, we never knew when we. We're just totally on call. Yeah, it was like, you know, we could get you know a text one night at two a.m. being you know, like being in the studio at nine a.m. tomorrow. Whoa! And like, yeah, so we kind of were like on call for for a year really, We were like kind of in this like weird limbo space, but like writing stuff you know, it, like, during that process. And so it was sort of, like, you know, writing these songs and then, like, recording them, like, immediately after. So they were, like, very fresh, mm-hmm. you know, like, as they were being written. So it was really interesting.
0: Well, it's also a really interesting way to do it because there's, you know, there's so many ways to record an album, but a lot of times bands have, you know, written the songs and then toured them a whole bunch before they go in the right. studio. So it's, like, they're really, like, tight and they're just really, like, we know mm-hmm. exactly what we want this... Your way was very spontaneous. It was like we just wrote the song. Let's put it down.
2: Totally, yeah. And like the you know we're in the studio playing it. It's like the first time we've ever played it together. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like the songs that are on the record are like the first time we've ever really like done them. Wow, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, that is kind of (laughs) cool. I like that. So then, how did Car Park end up getting involved?
2: So Todd is like the main dude that runs Car Park, and he we've just been old friends with him because he also kind of ran Paw tracks too. He like. You know, Animal Collective did like the sort of like creative direction of contracts, but he was kind of like the you know man behind the curtain doing all the business stuff. Right. Yeah. And so and then Car Park is kind of like his like passion label. And so he was just kind of like he I think the whole process, he was kind of asking to hear demos and stuff. And so, you know, we would like send them to him. and He was like, I would love to put this out. So should have went with it. Yeah, that's terrific. Yeah. And, you know, it's like they're really special in that. I think because we've kind of established this relationship with them through projects, where I mean, the beauty of like releasing things with projects is that no one really told us like anything, like no no like kind of limitations, like as far as like artistic freedom goes. You know, I hear about some bands and some labels being like, "Oh, the label's making me change the album artwork." Oh, they don't like this title. We have to change the song order to have, like, all the hits first or, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Right. There was nothing like that. And I think we really thrive off of that sort of artistic freedom. And I I don't think we could really see it on any other sort of label that would be telling us what to do.
0: So when did you guys finish the record and did you immediately go on tour? Like, what did you do right after you finished the record and got together with Car Park?
2: Gosh, I mean, there were so many, like, moments where we kind of finished a record.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but still, it had to be at least three or four months ago because you had to press it, right?
2: Right, 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 totally. Yeah, okay, so uh, when we finished at that time, yeah, I mean, we spent a long time working on the album art, too. Like, that took definitely, like, a while.
0: Yeah, the album art is so fabulous. Oh, my God, I love the album <laughs> art. <laughs> so crap. Thank
2: you. It's very cool. Thank you so much. We had a lot of fun with it. But, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, what we did immediately after it was done, I think, gosh, I guess we we definitely, like, we didn't go on tour or anything like that. We were kind of like, we want to save our energies. And also like one of the guys that produced us, Ryan Ciano. we were sort of looking for a new band member at the time. And we were like, do you like, you already like know all these songs so well. And like played on some of these songs in the record. Like, do you want to be in our band? He's like, Oh f- yeah. So we were like working with him, like right after we finished the record, like we just went up to the Catskills for a few weeks and just jammed and like really just sort of, you know, worked on like, making a new band really like the new live show cool yeah and that was really great and then just like working on videos and stuff and that's been like a pretty like involved process i guess <laughs> Like we just finished working on a music video right before we went on tour well you guys as a band have
0: a really you know your art background has actually been really helpful to you i think from an aesthetic perspective because it means that it's not for you guys it's not just about the music but it's also about all the other components like the album art and the videos and it's it sort of all works together as a piece, and I think that's something that a lot of bands kind of don't remember until it's too late. Mm. You know, they're like, oh, right, right. right, it's a whole package; it's not just about these ten songs or whatever.
2: Right, right.
0: And that's important. I mean, it is; it's a huge deal. I always, I always hearken back to the White Stripes because I'm like, those guys were marketing geniuses, and just from a they complete really were. art perspective, it's like, oh, we wear red and white. Bam. Yeah. Like, you Damn. can never be confused. Like, it was, it was, you always recognize their stuff. Like, it just would, had such, there were so many ways they could take it. I, it was just fabulous. I was like, wow, totally. geniuses.
2: And metal metal bands are really good with that. I've been, like, studying a lot of, like, metal bands, like, really developing appreciation for, for them. Yeah, like, the that's past couple true. Of years.
0: That's totally true. They're, like,
2: marketing geniuses. I mean, their branding, it's just so on point. Every metal band has to have, like, their font, you know, like, their little mascot. <laughs> like you know, it's just got yeah, all this stuff.
0: yeah, and it's and it's it so all cool. works together, and it's like their fans can easily identify it. It's really smart.
2: No, it's super smart, and yeah, I think that you know a, a band is kind of like a brand. I think for this album in particular, we really wanted to like play up the branding aspect of it because the other like kind of I don't know per- performative thing we're doing with this album is we're actually treating Extreme Now as this sort of like fantasy futuristic extreme sports brand that we like (laughs) then sponsor people you know and like uh like we we made an energy drink so we're like you know hyping that up and we've been like you know making like this whole line of fashion that's like extreme now like outerwear Mm -hmm. um like activewear and stuff it's kind of like merging like byzantine like medieval elements with like you know, the sort of extreme sports neon aspects and stuff. I love that. But yeah, so like we, you know, we want this to feel like it's like this weird sort of like extreme sports brand like Nike or something or like O'Neill or, you know, whatever. Right.
0: That's fabulous. So, I love it. Yeah. So you worked on all this stuff. You worked on videos. You worked on art. You got all this stuff done. And then the album came out. And then did you go on tour right, right after it came out or pretty close?
2: Oh, yeah. Like I mean, we hit the ground running. Yeah. Okay. We did, like, our album release show in Brooklyn, played, like, a couple, like, shows leading up to it, just, like, locally. And, yeah, like, the next day we were in D.C. and we just haven't looked back since. I'm in Texas right now. Perfect. So tell us,
0: tell our listeners what it is like for a band that's touring. Like, what is your day basically like? Like, give us the clock. Oh,
2: God. Okay. Well, first of all, every day is really different. And anytime <laughs> you have, like, some sort of, like, like, you know, fantasy of having a schedule, like, mm-hmm. a time you're going to go to sleep, a time you're going to wake up, just totally just throw it away. <laughs> because right. Tour, tour is just, it makes its own schedule. So, yeah, I mean, every day it's kind of different depending on, like, you know, what time you went to bed the night before, which could be, you know, like 4, 5, 6 a.m. <laughs> you might have to wake up really early. Maybe you have a 13-hour drive that day. <laughs> you know? Right. Sometimes you get lucky and you get to stay in, like, a really you know, nice house with family who, like, treat you really well. Sometimes they're sleeping on the floor with a three-legged dog.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, you just, you don't really know. And I think that, you know, you, there's different ways to tour. You can make it very predictable if you really want to. I mean, if you're on, like, a bus tour or something, I guess.
0: <laughs> but you guys are not on a bus tour. <laughs> we're definitely not
2: on a bus tour.
0: <laughs> what are you, so, dri- what are you, you driving? Know, what are you guys touring in? We're,
2: we're driving, like, you know, a luxury Ford Econo line.
0: Ooh. Nice. Yes.
2: Do you guys own it, or where'd you get it? You know, we actually had to buy it right before the tour because I totaled our other van. No. Nope. So that was convenient. <laughs> you know?
0: Do you take Do you take turns driving, or do you have somebody to drive you?
2: Oh yeah, no, we all take turns. Yeah. the the The, the payoff of driving is that the driver gets to pick whatever music is being played. Oh, so that's, that's the one perk of driving. <laughs> that is.
0: That's that's the only reason anyone ever drives. Yeah. <laughs> you get to be the dictator. Absolutely
2: totally but yeah i mean generally we have to like roll up to the city for sound check and then you know after sound check you try to just find whatever local at that point you're usually like hangry you're like yeah. famished right and like not really making sense to anyone right so you just like try to find somewhere to eat anywhere to eat right and you you, you only have like 30 minutes to do it so you're like let's just do this <laughs> and then yeah for us i mean we have like kind of a, an elaborate like set up in terms of just like our personal costumes and makeup so we usually have to like start doing that like an hour before we play right start like getting into into character kind of and you know we do like a lot of like we do like 60 jumping jacks before every show like we kind of have our little (laughs) like pre-show rituals like drink energy drinks you know get pumped listen to some like medieval fantasy music
0: Uh (laughs) uh-huh oh my god that's awesome
2: yeah, and then after the show, I don't know, if we're in the South, we always try to find a Waffle House.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a yeah, tour classic. Totally. You have to eat a Waffle House if you're in the South. Oh, my God. Probably. Totally. And then do you do you drive at night, or do you usually crash there, or it depends?
2: It kind of depends. I've noticed a pattern where if we didn't have a good show, we all just want to get as far the f- away from that city <laughs> as possible at night.
0: that always happens. I totally used to do that too. We'd be like, let's get out of here.
2: This place sucks. Yeah, 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 totally.
0: (laughs) So do you do, like, when do you guys fit in interviews, you know, when you have to talk to press people and whatever?
2: We usually, I mean, honestly, this time of day is, like, the best time of day for me because it's, like, you know, you're still, like, kind of, like, doing your morning routine and, like, I don't know, just kind of chilling out. And you don't necessarily have to drive anywhere just yet. Or if you're driving, it's like kind of like in the beginning of driving. Right. But yeah, I mean, generally, I try not to do them like right before we play. Yeah. Because I just really need to like not talk to anyone before we play.
1: Uh-huh. Because huh.
2: You know, you're just putting out like so much energy and stuff. It's like I don't know. You gotta like focus. But right. yeah, I mean, after our shows, we've done some like pretty interesting interviews. I feel like you're like kind of loosened up. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like kind of in a in a in a, a sort of like wild, charming moment of your of yourself right so I like doing interviews after shows
0: yeah that's a good that's a good time to do it
2: yeah I mean in general honestly I'm such a vampire like if I could do interviews at like three or four in the morning that would be ideal for me (laughs) but most other people like don't want to do that
0: right (laughs) maybe they don't want to be in a band have they ever thought about that
2: I know I mean obviously not I guess
0: (laughs) (laughs) you have to have a very very different schedule you have to be prepared for late nights and late mornings really Totally.
2: Totally.
0: And then you will basically keep up that touring schedule until, like, when do you have it in your head to start writing the next record? Or have you already started?
2: I'm just planning to be as busy as possible. And then whenever it starts happening that we're writing, it will just happen on its own accord.
0: Awesome. That's a good way to think of it, right? Just invite it, let it come when it wants.
2: Exactly. I I have a feeling after a year, we're going to be so sick of playing these songs it's gonna be like <laughs> oh my god like anything new i mean the thing is too is, like there's a lot of songs that actually didn't make it on the record like i wrote like 22 songs for this album so i kind of already have like another record's worth of stuff
0: yeah right now
2: but yeah so i don't, I don't know but then maybe i'll be sick of those songs too by the time we like starting it's just kind of yeah i don't know usually usually like the sort of like ideas come first and then like the songs kind of follow in a weird way
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, you might get inspired by something on the road that you see and just freak out and be exactly. like, that's it. That's our, that's our new thing.
2: Totally. Yeah. I think that's like the best, the best way to be on tour. It's just like really trying not to worry about the future and what we're going to be writing in the future or what the next record. is like just being present with this record. And like, when you're really present in every city and like being open to like whatever, I feel like some crazy things find you
0: Yeah, they do. Yeah. That's totally true. Totally.
2: Yeah. Taraka
0: Larson is the singer in Prince Rama, and Taraka, thank you so much for coming on The
2: Future of What? Thank you. Thanks for talking.
0: was Bahia by Prince Rama. You're listening to The Future of What. If you're enjoying this program, like us on Facebook and become a subscriber on iTunes. You're listening to The Future of What. We're talking to Zach Carruthers of Portugal the Man. Zach, welcome (laughs) to The Future of What.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: So today we are talking about what it's like to be in a working band.
3: Living hell. (laughs) Let's do this.
0: (laughs) So basically, you guys have been a band for quite a number of
3: years. Way too long, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And you are now at a level where you're, I mean, I'm assuming you tour in a bus. Do you tour in a bus? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah, What's that like? What are the pluses and minuses of touring in a bus?
3: You sleep more. I was the night driver. We were were in a van for about, in this band, we were in a van for about eight years or so, I think. Um, I was one of the night drivers. I didn't sleep very much, even when I did sleep. A lot of times it was, you know, in the driver's seat because I knew I had to start driving at 3 a.m. or something. And so when we first got a bus, it was it was the biggest moment of my life at that point. <laughs> our first night in the tour bus, you have no idea how happy it was. It was, in, it was here in Portland, Oregon. It was crazy. It was our first big tour. We, it was, it was magical. We had rented out the Crystal Ballroom for rehearsals. So Whoa. the Crystal Ballroom was ours for three nights. Insane. And somehow we still got very little work done because it was just so cool. <laughs> yeah. Then we, we went down, we got in a bus, we were checking it out. Our tour manager bought champagne. And it was it, it was pretty funny. We actually, we popped the corks and we were trying to figure out the sound system. And right when we turned it on, it was tuned to a local radio station that was playing our song. It was <gasps> ridiculous. Oh, moment. that's crazily magical. Yeah. I went to sleep. We rolled out of town having some beers and stuff. And... I fell asleep and then we woke up in Northern California and that drive would have killed me, but oh, I got wow. up well rested and I, uh, I sleep like a baby, uh, in my little, it's, it's so dark in the bunks. It's my little, my little worry cube, my little stress coffin. Wow. It's just like, it's where I, uh, um, <laughs> it's where I can, I can lay down there and, uh, just it's kind of black out the world. The generator just kind of hums you to sleep. I sleep better mm-hmm. on a tour bus than anywhere else. Wow. For sure. Incredible. But I do miss you know, the fun things we get to do when we're just driving through, you know, a desert in New Mexico at you know, ten in the morning, and we see a random little cabin up on a hill or a cave. We just stop and we go, hey, "Let's go check that out." You can't really do that anymore, right? So it just takes you from show to show, but it's more pro. It's you're definitely more, you're better rested, but it's you just got to really make time to go out and find your own fun. Because we like doing things. Uh That's a big hobby of ours is we're never one of those bands that goes somewhere and just sits in the hotel. We don't sleep. We like to experience. We eat. We drink. We make friends. We do whatever the people do. And so it's a little bit more difficult than the bus, but we find ways to do it.
0: Right. So now I've heard lots of things about tour buses. Like, I mean, I've never actually toured on a tour bus because my bands were always in, in cars and things. Yeah. But I've heard the number one rule on the tour bus is never poop on the bus.
3: Yeah, it costs a lot more money. Now, if you really? want me to get into some gruesome details, <laughs> there, Why is, not? there is a way to do it. <laughs> But uh, I I don't even know if I want to know that, (laughs) yeah, I don't think so either. But there is anything's possible. There's a lot of tricks that you learn involving everything, not just poop. And I never had to because I'm, you know, I'm a man, I can pretty much control my bodily actions, (laughs) you know, pretty well. But there's also a lot of booze and a lot of food and a lot of other things involved, so you never know. But cooking on a tour bus is very fun, and our tour manager, Scott, he is very unbelievable at it because you don't have a lot of don't have a lot of choices. We get our rider every day, but we get for food. And we, we kind of stock the bus. A lot of that is things that we don't even really eat at a, at a show but we put on the bus for late night snacking, thing like things like that. But there's only so many things you can have on there. So some people get creative oh, get like a foreman grill or something like that because when you're on a bus for you know 45, 50 days and you can only only pretty much have a microwave and a toaster and a coffee pot, you tend to get a little crazy. So take hot dogs for example. You have no idea how many ways that we have learned to cook a hot dog <laughs> while on a tour bus, wow. and it's it's pretty fun. So my my favorite two are toaster dogs, where we just take the toaster, we stick them in straight down, so you can do a whole pack, whole pack of weenies, pretty much. You can wow. fit about eight of them in there. Okay. Drop it, pull them out, and there's a little bit of a fire hazard with all the. Uh, <laughs> With all the grease and things, but hey, it's just a risk you have to it's take. Just a risk
0: you have to take, yeah. yeah.
3: And you know, greatness <laughs> never never comes without risk. <laughs> coffee dogs uh, is another one that's very fun. So we just pretty much throw a bunch of hot dogs in the coffee pot, fill the machine up with water, and just don't add boil them. Yeah, basically. just yeah, just don't add coffee to it, and it uh, it just heats up and broils your hot dogs. You just walk around with a walk around with a coffee pot full of hot dogs and hand them out to your boys. Sweet, nice. We wrap them in other okay. meats, you know. We. Uh, <laughs> We've got uh, <laughs> we've got some pretty crazy systems. Wow!
0: Um, yeah. Oh my gosh! And then how many people can you get on the tour bus? I mean, how many? What's your working it's roster? It sleeps
3: twelve. We roll with twelve because we always pack the house. We try to leave one extra bunk for any uh, you know hop alongs. Mm-hmm. You do get some hop alongs. You know, if a friend wants to come jump on the bus for a day or two, but we always have we've got a big crew, we've got a big band. A lot of times we have a family. We've got a four year old running around. Right. But in that case you know that we kind of make the back lounge the uh, the family bedroom a lot of the times we try to keep a bunk open for hoplongs we always bring one at least one photographer or street artist that likes to come that's what the extra bunk is for just somebody oh, cool. that wants to travel and can kind of just Use us to go see some different cities, and so that's cool. We like taking street artists that would normally be hopping trains and stuff like that, right? Like, hey, come up on the bus for a couple of days that's and fun. Or any photographers that want to want to roll around—we're we're big into that kind of thing. We, yeah, we like to give people opportunity to do that.
0: Community, yeah, a little community sure. there—that's nice. Yeah. So you're on the road in the bus, forty-five to fifty days. What is what is a daily like? What's your daily routine on the bus? How does it has it unfold?
3: It kind of depends on what you do. Like I said, we're very proactive. We like to go out and do a lot of things. So, depends on the headlining tour. Our crew will get up. Thank God we have crew now. Love to the Lords of Portland. Our crew is the best crew ever. I had my back's gone out. I don't know how many times (laughs) I was the trailer packer for. I was um, for for years, and it finally went out. Sciatica, real bad. Couldn't Mm. put on my own shoes for about three weeks. It's pretty rough. Strong as an ox now, though. It's fine. No problem. but a lot of times with the full crew that first bus tour was absolute hell like we were working so hard those days were insane we'd load in we'd get up at about eight or nine to load in and then we were on a new album cycle and it was our first album on a major label so usually a label anr or a radio rep would pick us up at about eight o'clock we'd go around do a bunch of radio stations playing acoustic doing interviews all day Come back, sound check, finish setting up the gear, sound check, more interviews, maybe get time for dinner, maybe not. Sometimes we didn't play a show. Usually, I can interview or a photo or two afterwards. Hang out with all your friends, drink as much as you possibly can while packing the trailer. Yeah. Shut the door. Hopefully, with enough time to go get a drink at a bar before the bar's close. A lot of times it didn't happen. Have a few on the bus. Go to sleep about five. Wake up at eight again. For six or seven weeks straight, yeah, every day, yeah, like three hours of sleep a night. It's pretty yeah. rough. Now it's a little better. We've got the best crew in the world. Day now, like the crew are loaded at eight or nine, we'll wake up around you know nine thirty or ten. About yeah, it depends. I wake up about nine, and then some some of our guys sleep till two. Our singer wakes up at like six. He's a dad, and we just go out and we see what's around. But a lot of times, if we're far away, we take a cab into the city, check out local shops, check out local food. And pretty much find something to do. We all find a little bit of time for our hobbies. I like taking pictures. So I go around, take a lot of pictures. And yeah, we just like to soak in the the culture. We've got a very unique opportunity to see the world. And granted, we're working during that. We utilize any free time that we can to soak in whatever's around us.
0: Definitely. So let's talk. You mentioned album cycle. You mm. know, we've been talking about that a bunch with everybody. You yeah. Know. So, what is because the thing is, this, this sort of weird 45, 50 days in a bus, that's not the rest of your year.
3: No, there is a lot, of, a lot of promo, a lot of recording time. It honestly depends on the year. Everyone is different, just kind of depends on what you're doing that year. But some bands take a long time to record. Some bands are very quick. Some people write for a long time. Some people take a lot of time off. We don't take time off, ever. We work every single day except Christmas, pretty much. And it's not always necessarily band-related, but we're always doing something together. We're always doing some kind of projects.
0: Well, you guys are also kind of, I mean, not totally unique because a lot of bands are close friends, but you guys are close friends. And, I mean, there are bands that, like, don't talk when they're not on the road together.
3: God, I wish we were one of those bands. (laughs) (laughs) We spend... We do spend uh, probably too much time together. I mean, like <laughs> brothers and stuff. You know, we we fight a lot. We do a lot of things. The last big show we had in Portland, we we're on our bus. The singer and I got in a fight. It was fun fighting. Ended up kind of getting serious. I ended up breaking a few of his ribs. What? By accident. He hurt me too. About a week later, we both were just kind of in pain. We we're like, Sigh. we were in Vegas, and it was like, I think I need to go to the hospital. Whoa! And we both went to the hospital. Yeah, things happen. Yeah. It's fine.
0: <laughs> I was on a tour once where I literally said to my bass player, Fonlin, can you tell Holly that we need to stop at the next rest stop or something like that? Because mm-hmm. I was like, not we were not speaking.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's, so juvenile. Oh, I know. But it that's <laughs> how things get. its It's like siblings. Nobody, people that haven't toured and haven't been in a band don't really understand. It's like, it's a different kind of close. It's different than brothers. It's different than than couples i kind of i try to explain it's like if you can understand what being married's like but imagine so you live together but even as a married couple you leave and you go somewhere else to work for nine to ten hours and then come home and you have that time you don't it's breakfast lunch and dinner hotel every day for years and years and years and with four or five people yeah it's Insane, yeah, but it's fun. I mean, it's 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 weird, yeah, and it's definitely like
0: unlike any other. Because
3: unlike anything else, it's true. I don't it's, know, it's, I don't it's know the how to thing. do anything else. So this is what I'm doing. <laughs> well, you've been
0: doing this for a while now, so yeah, I've
3: gotten I've gotten all right at it. You've gotten un- yeah. all
0: right at it, yeah. yeah. I think that's fair. <laughs> but I mean, I you know, everyone says this lifestyle takes its toll on personal relationships because, oh, like, if you're married or if you're with somebody and they can't really get behind. Like, hey, going to be gone for 45 days.
3: Yeah, it's tough.
0: It can be really tough.
3: It definitely is, especially at the beginning. You know, once things get a little easier, when you when you get bigger and you do actually start making money. We were poor and homeless for years and years and years. We lived in the van. We lived on people's couches. And that's when it took a lot of school. It still does now, obviously, but you can do things. We have the option. if. You know, girls mad at you. You can be like, all right, I'll fly you out for this next day off or something. And I can actually get our own hotel room because I can maybe afford to get a hotel room now. Right. But there are times where you couldn't. Yeah. And yeah, we lost, I dropped out of college. I lost, I don't know how many really good paying jobs, apartments, girlfriends, dogs. I, yeah, give up everything to do it. But there's, there's just something that, and not all people that do it, I've lost a lot of band members too. They're not dead or anything. I know where right. they are. They just didn't want to do it anymore, exactly. or, it was, or it was, it was too hard. And it's it's definitely not for everybody. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of a lot of bands that are starting out. Do ask advice, and and that's always one thing I say. I'm like, yo, it's not easy. And you got to be good, and you got to be determined, and you got to like really want it. And you know, but you don't have to decide right away either. That's a that's a thing. Everybody's so, you know, definitive, and whether it's like. I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this, try it out. Right. I mean, you don't have to you know, think a minute before you sacrifice jobs and education and, and things like that. But in general, just try things and change your mind, change your mind. I like to change, I change my mind all the time. Right. And that's uh, yeah, fine.
0: Well, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're talking about it because I find, you know, in my job running Kill Stars, yeah. I get... People approach me every day about, you know, we want to be a band, we're this, we're that. And I'm always like, do you guys even really know what this job is that you want? And that's the thing. Because so many people have said to me, like, oh, I'm totally, like, this is my life. Music is my life. But I don't want to quit my day job. And I don't want to do this. And I don't want to lose my girlfriend. I don't want to... Yeah. Lose my nice apartment and all this stuff. And I'm I, I'm glad that we're talking to you because you guys had literally nothing, as you said.
3: Oh, yeah. We we, we lost it all. But you yeah. also – you don't have to go as hardcore as we did <laughs> as well. You can keep an apartment. Right. You can do that kind of stuff. It's just we, we went all in. Right. And – You don't have to do it, but it is, a lot of people don't understand how hard of work it is. I've built houses, I've worked in warehouses, I've washed dishes, I've cooked. I've done pretty much every job there is. I've never worked even close to as hard at anything as I do with this. It's not a a nine to five, it's when you open your eyes, when you close your eyes. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many things that people don't think about. And honestly, one of the last things, sadly, is playing music. I play so much less music now that I'm a professional musician. <laughs> there's so much other things to do. Right. And right now we're kind of getting into practice mode. We just got a space and we haven't had one in a long time. And it's been, uh, we're just getting into the swing of things, but just playing music with my guys again, so much fun. Yeah. And it's it's really good. But yeah, there is there is a lot of work going into it, and but it's, it's fun. It's very rewarding. And... For the people that got to do it, it's just something you have to do. And a lot of it isn't fun. In fact, most of it isn't fun right. anymore. The recording, everybody likes different things, but the recording process is we've had a tough time on this one. We've been recording forever and it's horrible. I hate being in the studio. All I do is it's just full of self doubt, self loathing, hating yourself, hating <laughs> the other members of your band. And questioning every move you make and every decision—it's horrible. Yeah, it's it's that's rough. So stressful and just—and you don't sleep, and it's it's just. But but to finish it and get it done—it's just like it's just like this tiny thing that you just like. Uh, we just got to do. I don't right. know why. I can't explain it all. It's stupid. Has, has
0: recording always been like that for you, or has it changed over time?
3: It's definitely changed. We put uh, a lot more stress on ourselves. Mm the bigger we get there's there's more things to think about more things matter you know back in the day we every every time we go in with a different producer or just every day you get a little wiser and you learn things and so now when we used to write a song we just kind of throw a bunch of stuff out there now there's so much more thought which is very funny too when bands get bigger a lot of people start saying like oh you like started making Pop songs and you you guys are selling out and you're taking forever to record like simpler songs and they don't get it that it's it's so much harder. And that's another thing to always remember young bands. People will tell you things how they don't they don't like what you're doing if you get, you know, if you get bigger or your song gets on a TV show or something and they'll try to tell you so uh, don't forget that you don't write music for them. Write music for yourself. Even if you want to make, we, we try to make, you know, accessible music, but with art and substance, but it's for us. We're not making it for anybody else. That's the one thing people forget. I do everything for anybody all day. The only thing I do very selfishly is make music. Right. Because otherwise it's not real.
0: That's true. And also you can't please everybody. There's no possible way. There is no you way. You couldn't write a song and be like, hey, do you like this enough? Yeah, for sure. Would you like me to fix it?
3: Yeah. And I, just, <laughs> I, I just can't, I can't care. Yeah, enough. Like, there's no way that we could go out and just tickle each individual person. You know, it's a, uh, it doesn't work. And yeah. So every time we write a song, I'm just like, I'm like, well, anybody that likes this album of ours is gonna hate this. Anybody that likes this album is gonna love it. But and we think about that, and I know that that stuff happens. But you can't let it really affect what you want to do, especially us, because we want to do something different every time, for better or worse. We're gonna keep changing. We're gonna keep evolving, and so we'll see.
0: Cool. Well, on that note, Zach Carothers from Portugal The Man, thank you so much for joining us on The Future of What.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Chick Chick Chick, Prince Rama, Portugal The Man, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. For more info on the shows, check out our website at killrockstars.com slash thefutureofwhat. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts and Anna McLean. I'm Portia Sabin, president of Kill Rock Stars. See you next week. was Evil Friends by Portugal the Man.